You're listening to the Moon Griffon Show podcast on KPEL965.com. That'll do it for Arcadiana's Morning News. Coming up next is the Moon Griffon Show, Sans Moon, as he's got a couple legislators filling in for him. Brett Guyman, Philip Tarver, going to be a guest hosting the show for Moon. Looking forward to that as they will shine some more light on this whole budget fiasco that happened in Baton Rouge. You'll definitely want to stay tuned for that. Coming up next, after the Fox Business Report and your Fox National News Update. The Fox Business Report is brought to you by Gulf Coast Bank, your local community bank. Whether your financial needs are for an individual, a business, or for the whole family, Gulf Coast Bank has the knowledge and products to serve you best. With nine convenient locations throughout Acadiana, you're never far from a friendly Gulf Coast Bank associate. I'm Neil Cavuto, and this is the Fox Business Report. Adobe shares are higher after its earnings topped expectations. Adobe is raising its forecast for the year. The software company is involved in generative artificial intelligence. Humana shares are losing ground after the company revealed higher costs to provide insurance. It does still expect to meet its earnings goal for the year. Humana shares slumped this week after its insurance competitor United Health said members were finally following through with surgeries that were postponed in the pandemic. Resulting in higher costs. The Wall Street Journal says the tentative agreement for workers at West Coast ports will bring sizable wage increases of 32% through 2028, and employees will also receive a one-time hero bonus for working through the pandemic. That's your Fox Business Report. I'm Ginny Cosola, invested in you. If you're hiring, it can feel like trying to find a needle in a haystack. You can hope the right person comes along, or you can just use ZipRecruiter. Like Marco, president of operations at Telly Tires and Auto Centers. ZipRecruiter helps me find all the right people, even the most difficult jobs to fill. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Now try ZipRecruiter free at ZipRecruiter.com free. ZipRecruiter.com. Search Labs, the Department of Energy, uh, and others. I don't think we have a full damage assessment yet. That's Republican Congressman Michael Waltz. A group out of Russia is suspected. Since right now, it's just not clear how extensive the damage is in this large cyber attack. Fox's Lucas Tomlinson at the White House. The hackers have apparently used file transfer software to steal data from various federal agencies, Dana, including the Energy Department, according to the New York Times. The Energy Department, of course, maintains as many functions, including handling the U.S. military's nuclear warhead stockpile. Uh-huh. It has notified the cyber Security and Infrastructure Security Agency. That's again, Lucas Tomlinson. There are other victims from private companies to higher education, including the University of Georgia and Johns Hopkins. Some state agencies also hit. Breaking news out of Iowa. The state's highest court just rejected a Republican attempt to lift the block on a law that would have banned most abortions in Iowa. Any moment now, the U.S. Supreme Court will issue new rulings as it wraps up its term this month. The day after North Korea fired off another missile test, angry over U.S. and South Korean war games and American nuclear-powered 
submarine has arrived in South Korea. The USS Michigan has some serious firepower. It's able to hold about 150 Tomahawk missiles, and its arrival is the first of its kind in six years. At a recent summit, President Biden and South Korea's president agreed to making their, quote, strategic assets more visible. Fox's Ryan Schmelz, more than a half million homes and businesses have no power right now from Florida and Alabama over to Louisiana and Texas where a tornado tore the small city of Perryton up, killing at least three people, injuring dozens more. Mobile home parks were seen torn up. The same line of storms prompted flash flood warnings as far away as Pensacola, where rescue crews needed to recover people in high water. Fox's Evan Brown, one person died in Pensacola when a tree fell on a home. America's listening to Fox News. Propane days are here at Lowe's. Now through June 16th, Lowe's MVPs members can start earning 20% back in paint rewards via Lowe's e-gift card when you spend $100 or more on qualifying paint purchases. Stock up on top paint brands like our new and exclusive HGTV Home by Sherwin-Williams Specrite Pro Interior Paint. Lowe's knows pros. Exclusions, restrictions, and more terms apply. See Lowe's.com slash L slash pro loyalty terms. Subject to change. I had a nighttime routine for my frequent heartburn. I would drink milk, I would sleep upright with more pillows, but that painful burning stayed. So I made Prilosec OTC part of my morning routine. With just one pill each morning, Prilosec OTC prevents excess acid production, blocking heartburn day and night. Now I have a new nighttime routine. I call it sleeping. One pill a day, 24 hours, zero heartburn. With Prilosec OTC. It's possible while taking Prilosec OTC. Use as directed for 14 days to treat... News Talk 96.5 KPL, Bro Bridge, Lafayette. Broadcasting from the Matthew James Tax and Wealth Management Studios online at matthew-james.com. Hey, everyone. This is Joe Cunningham. You can check out my show, The Joe Cunningham Show, every weekday from 3 to 4 p.m. right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. The views expressed in the following show are those of the hosts or hosts only. They do not represent News Talk 96.5 KPL or Town Square Media. <laughs> Good morning and welcome to the Moon Graffon Show. I'm Brett Guyman, your guest host today, filling in for Moon Graffon, who I guess, Brandon, I don't know, what is he, fishing? or? Oh, he's definitely fishing. <laughs> De- definitely fishing. He is definitely fishing. Yeah. And I think we should let everyone know that he is fishing. Um, <laughs> and he deserves it. He deserves some time off. Uh, I mean, Come on now. You know, well, just being honest. I mean, you know, covering what's happening in Baton Rouge, I mean... Good he Lord, did, y'all know better some, than anybody. He some stress gotta, relief for they sure. They start accusing him of working two months a year. <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh, good one, my my friend and colleague, and That's also a good opening. Uh-huh. Yeah, no uh-huh. You know, my friend you know, and colleague and and and, uh, and, and co-host today, uh, Representative Philip Tarr. You know, Philip, he us. said he liked you, but that, that might change after that <laughs> comment. <laughs> he works two months a year, no doubt, no doubt. We got a great show for you today. We're going to be. Visiting with some of our colleagues uh, on the air from to talk about the recent session that we just came out of. And, Philip, what a wild one, I tell oh, you. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, we kind of got our breath, and uh, I'm looking forward to hearing what our other guys have to say. We're going to talk about some other things besides just the debacle at the end. Hopefully yeah, we'll get the, the debacle at the end. I tell you, I, I would tell you that I um, I don't know that we've ever still talked about the budget this long after a session <laughs> has ended 
And it's really about well, it's because the it's still evolving. I mean, yeah. it's because yeah. it's still coming out, and you know, we crammed it all in in five minutes, and so now you start figuring out, and, and you say, "Oh, whoa, what happened? I mean, well, what was that? What was that? What was that?" Everybody's saying, that. "Yeah." And we read today that Senate Finance is going to meet next week uh, to, <laughs> to have a meeting to talk about what like, was they in couldn't the do that. They couldn't do that before. <laughs> Only the most important committee when it has to do with all this. Yeah, you know? so boy, it just it, I'll tell you, I can't believe again, I can't believe we're still even talking about it this long yeah, after. Yeah the session but philip we had some uh some some tough votes and some um you know i guess controversy to some degree and of course the budget issue is a top and center of most of the session but what are, what are your thoughts about just to, you know a little bit about what uh what you think the session well you was? know you know you have a lot of tough votes anyway i mean it's not just about the budget it's it's a lot of things i would say 80 or so percent of this stuff is 100 to nothing but then t- that other 20 percent it just gets really tough when you when you see both sides of the story, and when it comes down to it, you just got to pick one side or another with your best in- intuition and your best feel for what would be right. Uh, I know we had the uh, the one that comes to mind about that is the bill about the pharmacies doing uh, vaccinations and the complications with people getting in to have vaccinations, but yet they still need to go to the doctor. And that was a really tough call, when, but when it comes down to it right at the end, you just got to say, well, I'm, I'm going to make this my decision based on this kind of kind of uh, angle and and that's just what you have to do because sooner or later you gotta you listen and you listen and you listen but then when it comes down to it you got to vote yes or no and that that's what we have to do here <laughs> yeah no doubt no doubt i know moon Grafon likes to criticize us for uh, well being, yeah you know, it's, it's all in fun i'm sure but you know for being off and for you know not being there on saturdays and <laughs> <laughs> um, how much money we make. You know, the pay raise was an issue that kind of was over our head for a while about uh, whether we were going to give ourselves a raise. We had, the, of course, the expenditure limit. We had a lot of the bills that come through education committee that were controversial. There's just a lot of things going on in the country. A lot of things were going on here in the state that we're dealing with. And I found the session to be uh, extremely busy compared to past sessions that I've been through. I, I felt like we... Um, we just had a lot going on, a lot of moving parts, and, and, and I found it to be a, a really kind of a tough session. And, of course, the way we ended just iced it. It was just like, oh, my gosh, what a perfect ending to a, to a tough <laughs> session. But uh, I've never seen anything like that. And, of course, I know uh, Moon's been talking about it, and as well, everyone. You know, uh, at some point, too, you know, you have to put it behind you and move on to the Absolutely. next things. And that, that's one of the things I hope we come out of it with. We, we I guess we're still kind of filtering through all that. But once we get to – okay, it's over with now. We got to live with it. It is what it is. Let's talk about how, what we can do next time to keep it from being that way. And what could we have done and what kind of measures do we need to put in place so we don't go through that again? I agree. And I think that's been what most people I've talked to, our colleagues have said is, gosh, we can't let this happen again. And that's, that's, what can we do better in the next term? But I, I agree with you. It's, it's you know, we, we, we assess what happened, but it's time to figure out how to do it better and move on. We can, have a lot going on with, you know, the governor's race is getting ready to be hot and heavy. We've got elections for all the members of the legislature. So it's getting ready to move into that political season really soon. And um, Can I ask the question, though? No, as, you're as, not, no, you're <laughs> not one of the guests, Brandon. As an outside, as someone who's not in the process, aren't there already provisions in, uh, would it be wrong to assume that there's already provisions in place for something like this to not have happened at the end, Either but is. those rules were just skirted by by leadership. Well, we we have That's a nice we, way of saying it. It's a nice way of saying it. Okay. You've been hour, very kind. We, we have a forty eight hour rule <laughs> yes. that that uh, in, in order to have time to review right. the legislation, we have a twenty four hour rule on conference committee 
reports, all of those can be suspended. We can suspend the rules if Mm -hmm. we don't have time to do it, if the legislature chooses to do that. I would argue, Mm -hmm. and many are arguing, that some of the objections to suspending the rules were not even recognized. But Mm -hmm. neither here nor there, even if you— A lot of things we didn't even have an opportunity to bring up. uh, Because the guy with the mic, the guy with the gavel, he runs the show. Yeah. And uh, if he doesn't uh, want to follow the rules or give the latitude to the body to do what it needs to do, he has that authority and he has that, uh, you know, he has that responsibility, unfortunately. And there's nothing written to punish him for anything like that? <laughs> I'm just asking. I'm just asking. I guess not, huh? Well, look, I think I think the legislature, okay. I think we learned a lot. Yeah, yeah. I think we, I think the, the members of both the House and the Senate don't want this to happen again. Right. I personally believe the budget bills ought to have plenty of time to be reviewed because it is arguably one of the most important issues we deal with every single year. Mm-hmm. We're dealing with taxpayer money right. and how to best spend it. And we have difference of opinions on that, but we ought to at least have time to review it and know what we're voting on. Mm-hmm. So I think the process itself is the thing that many people are just, you know, and look, I think about. it, I think it bears mentioning that it wasn't just in the house where the most vocal and, and yeah. uh, animated uh, uh, responses took place. They were confused over in the Senate yeah. that last half hour. They didn't know what was going on either and what was included and what wasn't. So mm-hmm. it wasn't just while, while the house was very vocal and very prominent, uh, it wasn't just the House. It was the Senate also. Well, but y'all were more vocal mainly because y'all were the ones having to deal with what the House put forth to you But then now you got Senate finance that's coming out like yeah. y'all just said earlier. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, main, I think it, yeah, I think it the main structure, yeah. the main uh, unit that, mm-hmm. that was uh, probably the most powerful and the most prominent and yeah. the most influential. Uh-huh. They didn't even know. And now yeah. they're going back to review and say, what did we do and why did we do it? Mm-hmm. It's like that old thing, what did you know and when did you know it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Well, we've got a great show uh, lined up, Brandon. We'll be have, let's see here, the, the very first guest coming on uh-huh. after the break will be Gabe Fermit yes. from uh, Grant Parish. And he's got some important uh, legislation yeah. that he handled. He was a rock star on on a very key issue. We want to visit with him a about very important thing. That's one of those underlying truths and, and things that you're talking about that wasn't as, you know, wasn't budget related. This is a tremendous uh, issue that he had uh, brought forth and, and it was a very difficult battle. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing yeah, him yeah, be able a, to a, tell a everybody threat that what it could be vetoed. So we're going to be hearing from him right after the break. So you're listening to the Moon Graffon show. Do you remember recess? Our children may not, because teachers and schools are judged on how well our kids are prepared to take a one-size-fits-all standardized test. Teachers must teach the test. It's not the same as actual learning. And worse, teachers can't get kids out of the classroom and on the playground to learn citizenship, responsibility, and character. Employers look for those things. They can be the difference between an auto mechanic and a car thief. The truth is teachers should be in charge and parents, but we're 2,500 teachers short because we don't pay them or let them do their jobs. So pay them, let them do their jobs. You may say this is common sense. You'd be right. My name is Hunter Lundy. I paid for this ad because I'm running for governor. I'm a Christian and an independent. Let's let kids learn about life before they're old enough to be in it. And I mean it. 
paid for by Lundy for Louisiana. Have you heard about stockapond.com? Are you looking to get in a private bass and brim fishing lease? Or maybe fish stocking for your private lake or pond? Then Shepherd's Acadiana Fish Hatchery has what you are looking for in business for over 30 years. Shepherd's Acadiana Fish Hatchery offers the best private fishing lease and fish for stocking lakes and ponds in Louisiana. You can visit that website at stockapond.com. That's stockapond.com. Don't forget it, stockapond.com. When Stephen Wagaspak was Governor Bobby Jindal's top aide, Louisiana's economy sank from 6th to 42nd. 13,000 manufacturing jobs disappeared. Essential state programs faced severe cuts, and one in five Louisianans was left in poverty. Then, Wagaspak backed Biden's $2 trillion spending bill, creating record inflation and record debt. Stephen Wagaspak warned us. And we're going to change this state forever. Stephen Wagaspak, a mistake we can't make twice. Paid for by Protect Louisiana's Children, LLC. Y'all, let Welcome back to the Moon Graffon Show. I'm Brett Gaiman, your guest host today. Joining the studio with me, my friend and colleague in the House of Representatives, Representative Philip Tarver from Lake Charles. Philip, you, you're uh, glad to have you here. And yeah, I just want to make sure you get the, the, the representative Philip Tarver, not the other guy from Shreveport. Yeah. He and I get Craig confused Tarver. sometimes. Let's, let, let's be clear. Two Representative Philip yeah. Tarver from Absolutely. Lake Charles. Okay. All right. We. Look, we have joining us right now uh, one of our friends and, and one of our very good colleagues uh, from Grant Parish, Representative Gabe Furman. Gabe, are you on? Can you hear us? I am. Good, mo- good morning, Brett and Philip. Yeah. Yes. Okay, we can't yep, hear He's him. in. Go ahead. You're good. You, you'll hear him now. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, Gabe. Are you? Okay, Gabe. Yeah, I'm. All right, now we got you. Good morning, Brett. All right, now we got you. We're all linked up now. So, Gabe, you had some. Some really, really, really key legislation that you filed and ran uh, in the special, I mean, in the session that we just finished up. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about that because, man, you were a rock star on that. And I know that was a very, very tough issue. But walk us through what that legislation was. We understand there's a possible veto coming of that. Let's talk about what may happen with that uh, and what our what our options are if that does happen. But Tell the listeners a, a little bit about the bill and um, and what it did and and um, and man, I'm telling you, you were a rock star. We're so happy that that you did that. And we're glad to support you. Yes. Yeah, so uh, House Bill 648 simply would make it illegal to perform chemical or surgical sex change procedures on kids in Louisiana. It, you know, certainly should not be controversial, but it was, and you know, it turned into to be. Uh, to be quite a fight you know we we got it through the house after many 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 hours of debate in committee and on the floor uh, i believe we ended up uh getting 71 votes you know veto proof vote in the house went to senate health and welfare and was hotly debated and uh it it, it was deferred you know a republican chairman of that committee made the deciding vote to defer the bill and really that set off a, a firestorm like i've never seen uh you know some of these national uh commentators like ben shapiro matt walsh picked up on and i guess it went viral as they say and many of our grassroots groups here in louisiana got involved and you know the outcry from the public was just overwhelming and to the senate's credit they listened to their constituents the bill was uh, recommitted to the Judiciary Aid Committee. It flew through there, 
with that opposition. Uh, you know, the Democrats on the committee didn't didn't show up, and Senator Jay Morris did a, a wonderful job of carrying the bill on the Senate floor. And we got 29 votes in the Senate, and it's uh, sitting on the governor's desk. You know, he has indicated that he's going to veto House Bill 648. I, I think he perceives it as anti-LGBTQ, and, and nothing could be further from the truth. It's simply but about Gabe, protecting Gabe, stop, kids. Stop right there on that thought. It, it's not you're not you're not against any group or any person. Clearly, all this bill did and does is deal with minors. Correct. That's correct. That, so, that's so when right. you're an adult, when you're an adult, you can decide to do whatever you know. The freedom, freedom is better, Philip Tarver. There you the go. freedom, you know, you have the right to do whatever you want to do in this great country. But you're trying to protect minors. Is that correct? That's correct. You know, we we don't let kids uh, vote. We don't let kids buy alcohol or cigarettes or enter into legal contracts. Why in the world would we let a a child as young as 10, year old, 10 years old consent to a life-altering, irreversible medical procedure um, when we know that cognitive development really does not uh, end in, until your mid-20s. So just insane that we're even having this conversation. And what's really disturbing is every single state in the South has banned these procedures. And look, there's no doubt that if we do not pass this law, Louisiana will be- become a destination for this kind of procedure. The same day the bill was voted down in Senate Health and Welfare, uh, the Texas Children's Hospital, which is the largest pediatric hospital in the nation, announced they were closing their uh, gender clinic and recommending that all of their pediatric patients receiving uh uh, these chemical treatments seek seek treatment out of state and and look y'all are in lake charles um if we don't pass this law these ten thousand kids on these drugs in houston are c- coming straight to lake charles Jay, gabe can you talk just a little bit about the role of the public in that because i know we we hit that snag and then i've I, i've not been at it that long but i've never seen quite the response of the of the rank and file citizen outcry and, and work that they did. Uh, I mean, they just came out of the woodworks to get this thing back on track. And I know some of the national media and all that might have had something, but, but man, I, I mean, you can't imagine the, the, the public work that was done to make this uh, tide turn. You did a great job, but I just want to compliment and get your comments on how important, because it will come up in this veto portion. If the governor vetoes it, we're going to need this same kind of uh, citizen engagement to turn the tide there, too. Oh, it's unbelievable. And the how refreshing is it to, to see that, you know, regardless of, of party affiliation or race, you know, Louisiana stood up and said, don't mess with our kids. We are not going to let you mess with our kids. And I think that was the message. And, um, you know, Philip, I think what I saw is, is it's especially the mothers. I mean, these yeah. grassroots groups of, of uh, moms who... They make who, a difference, don't they? A lot of these groups sprung up after COVID and, and uh, uh, just they, they mobilized and sent thousands and thousands of emails, thousands of phone calls and... You know, what people need to understand is is representatives and senators, they do listen. I mean, you, you start calling their their offices and sending emails, and it, it makes a difference. And 
look, I, I did very little on this. It was these uh, uh, the public and these grassroots groups that uh, really came together. And, and, like, I've had many senators tell me they've never seen anything like this. So, Good. like, I give Maybe all the credit. Maybe they'll see it some to, more. <laughs> yeah, like, I give the credit to God and to the, to these, uh, to the citizens of Louisiana. Well, Gabe, I tell you, you did a magnificent job handling the legislation under under all that attack that you were getting from people, and um, you know, you just you held your composure. You were very, very respectful to everyone involved, and that that's important because it's not you're not trying to take away freedoms and rights of anybody. You're just trying to protect minors, and that that was hard to keep that message out there because the opposition wanted to steer everybody away into oh, it's an anti against a certain group, and that is absolutely not what you were trying to do. But tell us, tell the listeners, uh, Gabe, and us as well, what can we do if the governor does, in fact, as he has threatened, um, supposedly threatened to veto your legislation, walk us through what's going to happen. What can we do? What can the public do? What can the listeners do um, to help you uh, if that does happen? Yeah, look, I think it's not too early now to start uh, calling and emailing your representatives and your senators and letting them know that uh, you expect them to participate in a veto override session. And, of course, as, as y'all know, we, we automatically go into a veto override session unless a majority of representatives and senators send in a ballot saying that is not necessary. So uh, my expectation is, uh, uh, given the public outcry and how important this bill is, that if the governor vetoes this bill, that we will go into a veto override session. And I, I think then the challenge is, you know, look, you, you can't go on vacation. Uh, you know, you can't skip out on this. You have to show up if you're a representative or a senator. You have to show up and, and uh, vote to override this veto. And, you know, the other important point is uh, if we go into a veto override session, everything's on the table. So any any veto... Uh, that the governor has made is uh, subject to be to be overturned. So uh, uh, I'm excited about the possibility. And one thing I, I, I sure want to mention, and you, know, you alluded to the fact that it's so a bill like this is hard. I mean, look, I've never tackled anything like this, and I hope you two don't mind me saying that. Um, you, you know, we had a small group of, of representatives that uh, not just on my bill, but on several of these tough bills where we're under attack. We we had a small group that would get together and and uh, you know pray for peace and for guidance and for for wisdom and y'all two were part of that and I, I can't tell you how appreciative I, I am and it it really made a difference and you know we we've, we've got a big group a good really good group of representatives who uh, are serious about their job and who want to do the right thing and uh, I think people need to hear that. Well, Gabe, I tell you, we appreciate you, and, 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 you know, you always want to be someone who moves the needle and make Louisiana a better state, and I can tell you, you've done that. Uh, we appreciate you. It's an honor to serve with you. We've got to let you go, man. We're going to a break, and, and we're, we're going to be coming back. Thanks a bunch, Gabe. We really appreciate you. We're going to be coming back with, at the, at the bottom of the hour, we'll be back with Representative Dodie Horton. You're listening to The Moon Grafonjo. Crime is out of control. Louisiana's education system failing our kids and our economy, one of the worst. We need a new direction. We need Jeff Landry as governor, a former police officer, Army National Guardsman, Sheriff's Deputy, and our Louisiana Attorney General. Jeff Landry has a proven record of fighting crime. 
A small businessman, he successfully filled hundreds of jobs for Louisiana citizens. So Jeff Landry opposes high taxes and government red tape harming our economy. A husband and father, Jeff Landry knows all kids deserve a great education, not liberal politics pushed in the classroom. A leader standing up to Biden, protecting our pro-life values and Second Amendment freedoms, endorsed by the Republican Party of Louisiana. Our next governor, Jeff Landry. Paid for by Landry for Louisiana. Louisiana is unique. The food, the festivals, even the bugs. It's termite season. Did you know termites are responsible for over $1 billion worth of damage in Louisiana alone? For over 60 years, J&J Exterminating has been shielding homes and businesses. 100% guaranteed against termites, pests, and mosquitoes. Louisiana-owned, customer-focused. J&J Exterminating. Call them today, make pests go away. Get the shield. Yeah. Hey, folks, discover Raging Cajun, the original Cajun seasoning, and Raging Cajun Foods' delicious line of seasoned dinners. Beans, black-eyed peas, roux, Creole sauce, seasonings, rubs, and even sweet jalapeno relish and spicy pickles. Raging Cajun's authentic recipes have been secretly crafted in the heart of Acadiana for over 38 years. As for Raging Cajun at all your favorite grocery stores today, Raging Cajun, original Cajun seasoning. Folks, ask him for that Raging Cajun. Hey, folks, it's Moon Graffon. This hour of the Moon Graffon Show is brought to you by Matthew James Tax and Wealth Management. Online at MatthewJames.com. Hey, welcome back to the Moon Graffon Show. I'm Brett Gaiman, your guest host for today. Joined in the studio um, by one of my good, with one of my good friends from Lake Charles, Representative Philip Tarver, uh, co-hosting with us. Uh, Brandon, by the way, the music. Mm-hmm. What's up with the, you know? I've always come and done this before, and we've had yeah, some yeah. good Hank Williams Jr., some yeah. George Strait. I mean, what, what's up with this music situation? So the, so the powers that be have said no. You cannot play licensed music during this. Uh, during the nine to eleven spot, which is podcasted, so that's why we uh, had to change music up. Uh, maybe you could sing going into the break. That's worse. That's don't, worse. don't do that. Don't that's do out. That. Uh, no, let's not do that. <laughs> well, look, we've been doing a recap of the session that just ended uh, here recently, about a week ago, and we have on the line now joining us one of our colleagues from Northwest Louisiana, uh, the rock star Dodie Horton. Dodie, are you with us? <laughs> I am. All I right. am, and it's so wonderful to be with my my uh, wonderful colleagues. Well, we're so glad and honored to serve with you, and glad you have a chance to call in today to talk a little bit about the session. Um, and I know you've heard Philip Tarver, representing Philip Tarver, is here with us, and and uh, we want to talk to you about what went on this session. And I know you had some really good key legislation that came through the education committee that Philip and I both sit on, and and those bills passed the legislature. legislature. Uh, talk about those. I know one of them was in God We Trust, uh, and then you had another one was was the Parental Rights and Education Bill. Let's talk about those because both of those seem to bring a little bit of controversy for whatever reason. But let's talk through that and let us tell us what happened on that. Uh, I, I will. And just let me, for a personal privilege, I like to let everybody know we had 80 mile an hour winds come through. I believe tornadoes and 
150,000 people are without power here in, in Bossier Parish, and I just want to hope everyone's doing well and that we're blessed that we've heard of no casualties and uh, that the re electricity will be restored soon. So it's a, we went through a lot last night, and so I just pray everybody's hanging tough and helping each other clear the debris. But, yes, uh, in God we trust. You know, whenever I was contacted by a constituent who, ex who had shared with me that Arkansas had passed the bill to, to have our national motto displayed, prominently displayed in every classroom in Arkansas, I thought that is a wonderful way to get God back into the classroom. And so knowing that Louisiana already had a law that, that required uh, our national motto to be placed in every building, it was so much better to be able to amend it to uh, have it posted in every classroom K through 12 and post-secondary education. And uh, and because of good people like you guys that sit on the education committee, it, it flew out and through the process, and now the governor signed it into law. So I'm very, very thankful that that's, that's you know, required. And, and now people can, organizations and uh, charitable organizations can donate those posters to the schools. And as they do, they, the schools are required to put them in, you know, put them in every classroom. So it's, it's exciting, I think. Well, yeah, but if I recall that there, there's already a, a, a statute that requires us to post that on the building, but what your argument was that many times people weren't seeing that. So our, Kids going Correct. to school weren't weren't really being exposed to that motto like you thought they should have been. So your requirement was that that would be posted in each classroom. It was no cost to the to the taxpayers because it would all be by donations and and volunteers. And, Correct. And then you Correct. had. Correct. You're exactly right. Yeah, and that's really all you were asking um, for to be done. But um, what a great idea! And gosh, what you know who who argues with that? I mean, you know. I know it. You know it, it is our national motto, and uh, and it. And when I did ask my grandchildren if you've ever seen this displayed, because I went purposely to our schools in Bossier Parish to look for it, and I and I saw it. You know, displayed proudly uh, by the office, and uh, I was thankfully so. But they never they never saw it because you know they walk right through and go straight to the classrooms. So I feel it's you know the history behind it is so important, and our motto says exactly what our country. The face of our country is the heart of our country, and that is in God we trust. And I just think it's really uh, a great, and I'm thankful for all the support the legislature uh, gave on this, seeing this uh, law amended to now our children be able to see it every day in class. Yeah. And look, before we get off of the classroom topic, we're going to talk about your other bill here in a minute, but teacher pay. Okay. Teacher pay was a big issue for us this session. Uh, we started out on the House side with a um, an idea, a concept that would pay off retirement debt of the teacher retirement system, allowing uh, locals to have that money freed up and then be able to do raises at the local level. We thought that was a great idea coming from the House. It passed, went to the Senate, didn't, didn't catch on over there. And at that point, we all agreed that we would support teacher pay raises in the state operating budget. And you were part of that. Is that right? Oh, uh 
Yes, absolutely. You know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, I should say the teacher union put out a lot of, uh, their narrative was that, that, uh, Republicans, uh, and, uh, uh, we, that we did not support the teacher pay raise. But what we did, we supported, like you said, paying down, uh, the IUAL and our, that our locals are, have to pay a tremendous amount of money on. And that would free up our local dollars, keeping local dollars local and, and allow the, uh, school board to, finally give our teachers a, a substantial pay raise because, you know, I explained to people, I, we, since I've been elected since uh, 2016, I've had the opportunity to vote on five different pay raises for our educators and support personnel. And it took seven years to, for, at the state level for the teachers to get a 3,300 uh, year raise. That is not a substantial amount in five years or seven years that, uh, so, with paying down the debt, it would free up uh, five plus million dollars uh, for the next few years for Bozier Parish, according to the fiscal staff, and allow them to, you know, have enough money to give a raise at the local level, yeah. which we haven't done in Bozier Parish substantially in, in uh, many years. So well, I we, thought it was a great idea. We, we thought it was a great idea coming from the House side. And as I said, it didn't work out. The Senate didn't want to go along Fine. with that. So we ended up all agreeing that we would just fund teacher pay raises in the operating budget, but what happened at the end is uh, we didn't get a chance to vote on the MFP, Correct. which is the formula that makes it permanent. So what ended up happening is Correct. basically we gave the teachers a one-year pay raise with the intention of coming back next year with a new administration and making that permanent. But you, along with all of us, or many of us, wanted to do that permanent this year, and it just didn't quite work out. And don't forget, we, we took well, that position from the get-go. We were in the, in the camp of let's give teachers more money from the get-go. We never backed off of that. Right. Yes. You're exactly right, Philip. That was always our intent, and uh, and so a lot of large part of the reason why um, I voted for HB one and uh, not having time to read to read it and uh, to go over it because it was rushed through so much is that I I told my teachers I would not come home without voting for them a, a teacher a pay raise, and since we were not allowed, the, uh, the leadership rejected the MFP, therefore not allowing this body to vote on the. Uh, the MFP, which contained a permanent pay raise, yeah. uh, voted for the next best thing, and that's to give them the one-time pay raise, just like you said, Brett, with the intention of next year becoming uh, permanent. Yeah. And also and supplemental pay and for supplemental police and fire. Gonna, I, I gave say, my, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I gave my word that I was going to vote for, for that, and that was in HB1, and then I knew we paid down debt. And so that was very important to me, you know, when uh, to do that. And so just like you guys, uh, uh, we, I, I was upset that we weren't given the opportunity to vote for a, a permanent pay raise, but uh, we definitely uh, did what we could in HB1. All right. Well, Dodie, we're going to take a quick break here for a minute. When we come back, we're going to talk about the okay. parental rights and education bill. Uh, we'll be right back with Representative Dodie Horton. You're listening to the Moon Grafon Show. top law enforcement official, Jeff Landry, has failed us. Murder, rape, carjackings. Under Landry's watch, Louisiana is now the most dangerous state in America. Stephen Wagaspak has a plan to take Louisiana back from the criminals. It starts by supporting law enforcement and giving them the tools they need. Wagaspak will work with DAs and prosecutors, ensuring repeat offenders stay off our streets. Stephen Wagaspak for a safer Louisiana. Paid for by Reboot Louisiana Pack. When you think about how you spend your money in retirement, what comes to mind? 
probably travel, sunny beaches, and spoiling your grandchildren. But a recent survey found that over 30% of every dollar a retiree spends goes to taxes. Baby boomers were told for years to save money in their IRAs and 401ks and pay taxes later. Well, now that day has arrived, and boomers are shocked to see a third of their money going back to Uncle Sam. John Blanchett and the Matthew James Financial Group can help. What if you could? Protect all or most of your retirement wealth from future tax rate increases. Achieve a zero or near zero effective tax rate for most of your retirement years. Find out more. 337-366-8366. Isn't it time you got a second opinion on your wealth and retirement outlook? Learn how you could potentially kick the IRS out of your IRA. 337-366-8366 and online at Matthew-James.com. When Stephen Wagaspak was Governor Bobby Jindal's top aide, Louisiana's economy sank from 6th to 42nd. 13,000 manufacturing jobs disappeared. Essential state programs faced severe cuts, and one in five Louisianans was left in poverty. Then, Wagaspak backed Biden's $2 trillion spending bill, creating record inflation and record debt. Stephen Wagaspak warned us. And we're going to change this state forever. Stephen Wagaspak, a mistake we can't make twice. Paid for by Protect Louisiana's Children, LLC. James LeBlanc. Brad, I don't want to hear any complaining about this one. (laughs) That one feels like it's right up your alley. Oh, you gosh. Give, you didn't give it a chance. That's, that's, <laughs> work. that's the best we can do. <laughs> oh, man, oh, man. Welcome back to the Moon Griffon <laughs> Show. Dodie Horton is with us. Dodie, are you still with us? Hey, I just hear music. Now <laughs> just I hear you. Hear, that music is awful, too, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> It's certainly not Caleb. <laughs> it's not Caleb, and it's not, and it's not, Hank, and it's not Hank Jr. or George Strait. So we go. lose there on all three go. of those. We lose on all three of those. I don't know, I don't know what happened to Brandon. He used to be a good guy. <laughs> We're back with Representative Dodie Horton from uh, Northwest Louisiana, and she had some really, really, really good key legislation this past session that we've been talking about, and. On this uh, segment, we want to talk a little bit about what you call the Parental Rights and Education Bill. So, Dodie, that was, uh, as I remember, and Representative Philip Tarver is in here at the studio with me, we had that bill come through Education Committee. Uh, and, Correct. you know, to say it was controversial is an understatement. I mean, there was a lot of opposition <laughs> yeah. to that. Personally, I think they overreacted. Which is, what, I, I, says, yeah. I was going to say, that's ironic in, in itself, that it would even be controversial. Yeah. Yeah, so so walk us through uh, for the listeners uh, what that bill did um, that you passed okay. and, and tell us where we are on that one. Okay, um, whenever the bill is strictly to prevent uh, um, sensitive co- topics from being discussed in uh, class in the classroom um, that's not part of the agenda, and I mean, excuse me, it's not part of the curriculum or state or state standards. It's uh, the bill would prevent an educator or school personnel from discussing sexual orientation or gender identity um, in in the classroom, you know, when the classroom time when supposed to be teaching reading, writing, and English and science. And the purpose is I had parents uh, all across the state, actually, and in my parish, 
uh, felt that there was time to to set a uh, get a law in place to so that that would prevent uh, an educator from from teaching their own philosophy to their to our children, um, and that's you know considering you know like their own uh, about their own uh, sexual orientation or gender identity and their thoughts and and their uh, you know their their stance on it, and so they needed the assurance that that would never happen. In, uh, in Bossier Parish. It's not now. We have wonderful educators and school personnel. And so we have no incidents here, even though they do across the river. But they, that gives the parents assurance when they drop their children off at school, they don't have to worry about some rogue uh, educator coming in and trying to indoctrinate their children against their, their, without their permission. And so that's what the bill did. It protects all children from all walks of life, regardless of what lifestyle the parents lead. And in fact, uh, Brett Phillip, um, there were several several uh, transgender couples who helped me uh, write this legislation. As it as it was written, I would have them to look at it because this is not a partisan issue. This has nothing to do with someone's lifestyle choice, but it has everything to do with protecting our own children from any type of indoctrination. It, it, it protects our children from being taught anything without the, the parents' consent. And so it was very important. It is that the time is at hand. We must uh, protect our, our children when they're at school at all costs. And so that's what this was for. Um, I believe people bought into the rhetoric around it, but it had nothing to do with the content. Well, and I, I remember um, Representative Horton in the committee hearings we had um, what I thought, at least what I thought, as I understood it, was um, opposition to things that the bill didn't even really do. And, correct, and as correct. you stated just now, you said that that it's not against a lifestyle. It's not against the freedom of, of adults to choose uh, to do whatever lifestyle they, they want to do. That's that's never been right. the issue. What you were arguing was you didn't want an educator to push an agenda on vulnerable age group students in the classroom. And Correct. we've talked about this, you know, for decades about, you know, we don't want to push a certain religion. We don't want to push a certain right. ideology, a certain political party, anything when it comes to education. We want to teach what we need to be teaching. And really, as a student, you should not know whether your teacher is a Republican or a Democrat what their lifestyle choices are, what their philosophies are, anything, what their what church they Correct. go to, any all of that should really not be in the conversation or should be not certainly should not be pushed on uh, or promoted by that educator. Is that essentially what you were trying to do? Absolutely. And uh, you expressed that perfectly. Um that is that was that's the intent of the bill and and it just really uh uh shocked me at the way that it was perceived. And it's, you know, that it was even said, oh, you can't have a picture of your family on your desk. That's not true. You know, but you certainly, uh, when you're in a classroom, I don't know, uh, the educators I've talked to, they said, we don't build a classroom discussion around my family. I'm there to discuss the children. I'm concerned with the children to teach them so that they can grow up to be uh, uh, taxpayer citizens, to give them all the equipment they need to be able to succeed in life. And political uh, political agendas and uh, social engineering has nothing to do and should be should not even be allowed in our schools at any time. And so um, that's, that's, it, it's just a, a way to protect all children. And, and I, again, my, my friends that uh, live in uh, 
that's had different lifestyle choices, you know, they are shocked at the resistance, you know, because they too, they said, no, never is it okay for, for anyone to come in the classroom and tell my child about uh, their sexual preference, to tell my child, you know, what they did or did not do the night before. And then it, it just makes no sense to us. And, and you said, and then, and you, you know, the and, question. And you said Go ahead. just now in your explanation that they they can have the family picture on their desk. They you know none of that is sure. prohibited. It's just that you didn't. No, you don't want that educator forcing or pushing an agenda. Other states have done this. I know Florida. Uh, I, I can't name them all like you probably can, but I know there's many states that have already yeah. implemented this legislation um, that you probably right. looked to as you modeled yours. Did you say Arkansas was one of them, or that was maybe on yeah, your other? Yes, field, uh, and. Uh, I, I don't have that in front of me, but many states are. And and then, uh, you know, we, we were asked, and I know you remember this in committee, uh, why are you bringing, do we have a huge problem with this in Louisiana now? And I gave them uh, the example of uh, what's going on in Caddo, in Caddo Parish, you know, because a, a teacher um, put it out on Twitter and, and Facebook that I delight in the confusion that, that I, that I put, the confusion that I had placed on my children when they uh, asked me, what if, you know, I dressed like a, a man one day, a woman the next. I delight in their confusion. And that, that just touched me because I think that's a sick mentality. And so, uh, therefore, we need, you know, we need to protect our children. Well, Dodie, thanks, yeah, so. for, thanks for being a, a, a tremendous advocate for this. Uh, you know, it's not easy to get up there and, and put this uh, before the uh, – before the people and before the legislative colleagues, it's it's tough to make these these kind of presentations. It's just hard, and uh, I, I appreciate you doing it. Just uh, being strong and and reasonable, and and uh, just and and being nice about it. By the way, you're very nice, a very nice. Yeah, person. no, yeah, absolutely. I appreciate Philip, your support. We, yeah, as we we both sit on the committee for the listeners uh, that that may be listening to you right now, and um, obviously it was controversial. It sh- shouldn't have been as controversial because again, I think. Some people were taking it, what you were trying to do, to a level that you were not taking it. Um, you don't Correct. have an issue with a student going and meeting with a counselor. You don't have an issue with a family picture. You don't have an issue with any of that. No. You And I think you even stated at the table, you don't want someone promoting their, their Christian faith either or pushing that on somebody. But, you know, you're not well, preventing a conversation. Yeah, you're not preventing normal conversations right. between students and advisors and counselors and et cetera. You are really just trying to protect young students, uh, minors from an influence on something that they really shouldn't be trying to have to process right now at that age. Absolutely. You know, the parents, the parents can, parental consent is, is what we have to have. We want parental involvement in our schools. And I believe since COVID we've seen an increase in parental involvement. And that is, that's a game changer in any child's life. And then, but to do, to do, teach these ideologies without the consent of the parent, without the knowledge of the parent, is, is the destru- how destructive this can be. And it is across the nation. And the, when I'm told, you know, why are you bringing this now? We don't need it now. But we all know you must turn the ship before you hit the iceberg. And so do we have to have it just rampant before we do something? No. We as legislators, we do everything we, to prevent crisis if we can. So We're proactive all the time, making making things. It doesn't have to be uh, something that has been violated to, to keep it from being violated. They tell us that Correct. all the time. Well, we, we don't have this problem. We don't need to fix this. 
Well, sure, we need to be proactive on occasions to, to take care of something and make sure it doesn't happen. Yeah, and especially when we're talking about our kids. Yeah. You know, our, our Absolutely. Well, Dodie, look, Absolutely. You, you, um, you, you've done a fantastic job um, representing us, and we wish you the best in the future, and it's an honor, an honor to serve with you. You've done a, a great job for Northwest Louisiana in the eight years you've been there. No doubt about it. And I tell you, it's, we don't ever have to wonder Thank where you. you're going to be on these tough issues, uh, especially dealing with kids and, and, and cultural issues and, and, you know, and the values that we all love and, and hold dear here in Louisiana. So we, we really appreciate you. Again, it's an honor to serve with you. I, I'm so glad I got to come back and serve with you uh, as well. So uh, we, we, I, I, I was thrilled for you to come back and uh, view and fill up our, our, uh, our, some of our uh, strongest leaders and advocates for all, everything that's right. It's my honor to serve with right. you, and I look forward to a continuing uh, a great relationship. And right. y'all have a blessed day, and thank you for the opportunity to be right. on here with you guys. All today. right. Thank you, Dodie. You're listening to the Moon Graffon Show. We'll be back at the break with Representative Rodney Shammerhorn. show that's not immune to facts, the Dan Bongino Show, and here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Bridge, Lafayette, a town square media station, broadcasting from the Matthew James Financial Studio. A pro-choice victory in Iowa. I'm Dave Anthony, Fox News, where the state's highest court today rejected a Republican attempt to unblock an abortion law. This keeps in place a 2019 lower court decision, which blocked the measure banning nearly all abortions in the state after a fetal pulse can be detected, roughly the sixth week of pregnancy and before many women realize they're pregnant. For now, abortion in Iowa remains legal up to 20 weeks of pregnancy. Fox's Lillian Wu, Russian leader Vladimir Putin has just claimed the enemies had no success on the battlefield, despite a Ukrainian counteroffensive that's liberated villages Russia took over in the invasion. Putin also again hinted he could use tactical nuclear weapons. Russia launched more missiles at Ukraine's capital today. They were shot down. However, the debris that came down did damage. Fox's Greg Palcott went to an area that was hit outside Kiev. The peaceful residential neighborhood was turned into a battered war zone. Some 30 houses either destroyed or smashed by falling, flaming bits of missile. Three people were injured. Others barely escaped with their lives. Emergency workers trying to calm the very rattled people. I think this is a big horror. I just wish that Moscow would feel what we feel. A hacking group in Russia is suspected in a new cyber attack the U.S. is still assessing the damage from. Republican Congressman Michael Waltz tells Fox. What we're seeing with both the Russians and Chinese is they are leveraging uh, and they are putting fuel on the fire of these quasi-private hacking groups. This is economic warfare. There may be hundreds of victims in this hack from U.S. and state government agencies to private companies to universities like George and Johns Hopkins. There's tornado cleanup in Perryton, Texas, a small city near Oklahoma. The devastation was unbelievable. Sabrina Devers tells Fox weather it's widespread. Three people were killed, dozens injured. Another died in Pensacola, Florida. There was also flooding there that led to water rescues. America's listening to Fox News. Simply Safe was named Best Home Security of 2023 by U.S. News and World Report. But we don't do what we do for the accolades. We do it to protect you and everything you love. Our advanced sensors, indoor and outdoor HD cameras, and hazard detectors are powered by live 24-7 professional monitoring. So you get emergency help fast. Get 20% off any new system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com radio. There's no safe... 
like Simply Safe. I'm Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I learned about atrial fibrillation the hard way. My symptoms would come and go: shortness of breath, fatigue. I kept going. Then I got so lightheaded I couldn't. My doctor said I have AFib, so I'm about five times more likely to have a stroke. Other symptoms: irregular heartbeat, heart racing, chest pain can come and go, but the risk of stroke stays. If you have symptoms, tell a doctor. Visit notimetowait.com. Sponsored by Bristol Myers Squibb and Pfizer. The newest Republican running for president, Francis Suarez, made his first campaign address at the Reagan Library in California. He's the mayor of Miami and told Fox this morning he'd be a nightmare for Democrats. A Hispanic conservative Republican from a big city. I mean, it's like the unicorn of all unicorns. It destroys their entire narrative. And Suarez is trying to knock down another narrative that he voted Democrat in 2016 and 2020 because he did not support former President Trump, the current GOP frontrunner in the race. I wrote in uh, Marco Rubio in 2016, and I wrote in Mike Pence in 2020. A judge in Germany has just ordered an American man to be held on suspicion of murder, attempted murder, and a sex crime, accused in an attack yesterday on two women who are U.S. tourists on a hiking trail near a German castle. The man's accused of trying to assault one and then the other came to her defense. So both of those women were shoved down the slope and fell nearly 165 feet. They were both rescued by authorities. The 22-year-old who tried to defend her friend was responsive and was taken to a hospital, but sadly, the younger 21-year-old was unresponsive and later died at a hospital. Fox's Bill Malusian. Pope Francis is back at the Vatican, released from a Rome hospital. Asked how he doing, the leader of the Catholic Church replied, I'm still alive. The Pope had abdominal surgery nine days ago to repair a hernia and remove painful scarring. Hard to hear that he was feeling sick because he seems like a really nice man, really nice human. So we're very, very glad to hear that uh, he's feeling better. The 86-year-old left through the main exit in a wheelchair, smiling and waving and saying thank you to a crowd of well-wishers. That's Fox's CJ Papa on Wall Street. The Dow is up 20 points, but the Nasdaq's down seven. There's news out of the end involving one of the all-time great basketball players, Michael Jordan is finalizing a deal to sell his majority stake in the Charlotte Hornets that would end his 13-year run overseeing that team. I'm Dave Anthony. This is Fox News. Join me, Todd Starnes, every Saturday night from 9 to midnight as I sit down with some of the biggest names in politics and give my take on news that matters to you here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Views expressed in the following show are those of the hosts or hosts only. They do not represent News Talk 96.5 KPL or Town Square Media. Welcome back to the Moon Graffon Show. I'm Brett Gaiman. I'm your guest host today, and I'm joined in the studio by my colleague and good friend, State Representative Philip Tarver from Lake Charles. Philip, you, you still okay? You're- yeah, we got some good conversations coming up with uh, the hammer, shammer horn. The hammer, shammer horn. And then uh, we're going to light a grenade. Hey, we're going to light a grenade after that with, Larry, with Larry Freeman, huh? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> they, listen in. You're going to hear some fireworks. I don't suppose Brett, you have any complaints about the opening theme music as well. I was I was <laughs> just getting ready to make a comment about the music again. Uh-huh. Anyone who knows me and knows on the few times I do get to host a show, uh-huh. my big issue with you yeah. is we rehearse our music the week before, right? 
Yeah, not anymore, though. I don't know what in the world is going on. I can't get anybody to sing. Rodney, can you sing for us or not? I mean, are you a Hank Williams Jr.? Or Buddy, that, hey, I used to think I could sing, and I tried it in the shower, and the shower quit. Okay? Oh, so, no, you do not want to hear listen to me sing. We'll, we'll, we'll stay away from that conversation then. How about that? So, yeah. Look, we're coming off of, by, yeah. the way, by the way, Rodney Shammerhorn represents uh, Beauregard Parish, Vernon Parish, Sabine Parish. Did I get them all? Sabine and Natchez. Yes. Got them all. Okay. I know so, you. I know you're. I know you'll be coming down into into Beauregard some now. I kind of get in my neck of the woods now. I guess we're neighbors now. So, um, but yeah, we're gonna be neighbors. We're gonna uh, be neighbors, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm looking forward into the move into Beauregard Parish. You yeah. know, uh, I, I've got the river side of it, and. Uh, I, I I really enjoy it because it's my kind of people. You know, we're rural, and, you know, we want to be left alone and, you know, just do what we do. Yeah, you got to say rural right. I, you got, I can't say you, that you, word. Yeah, you guys got to be able to say rural right. Is that right? <laughs> if you it, if you it, if you it, you know what it is. I've got that Texas slang, you know. <laughs> I don't have a Texas slang, and I still have a hard time saying rural. Yeah, it's the rural, rural. You got you to <laughs> Well, look, Rodney, we came off of, uh, again, what I think was, a, uh, you know, from my experience there was really a, a, a tough session. I mean, just a lot of tough issues. And, um, uh, you know, we dealt with some some controversy and um, obviously had, a uh, you know, some sort of a, I'll call it a meltdown toward the end of session. But I think we've talked a little bit about that already. But you had some stuff that you dealt yeah. with on the local issues, a local level. Uh, in the Sabine, as I understand it, the Sabine River has some current issues whenever they're letting the water out of the dam or what walk us through that i know you had a bill where uh working i think with law enforcement and others to to provide um a requirement that i guess miners have to have some sort of life-saving uh vest on or whatever what what was what's going on with that because i know we've had a lot of drownings uh in your area that was house bill 207 uh and it goes into effect date uh august the first but what it is, it's an educational type bill, really. Uh, but uh, Sheriff Herford uh, had came to me and wanted to see about getting it done. I got with Wildlife and Fisheries. I got with, you know, Sabine River Authority. I got with a lot of different individuals, and we had to continue to work on it all the way through to the, uh, to the governor's desk, really. But uh, to get it, you know, to where it was especially for the Sabine River. So essentially what's happened is last year there were four drownings. Uh, there was a little 12-year-old boy got in trouble. Two from his immediate family went in to save him. They got in trouble. And another bystander went in, and he also got in trouble. So that one incident took four lives. And that's, that's something that happens. Times, and that's something that happens not just, you know, a, a rare incident. That happens pretty frequently, doesn't it? I mean, I've heard several that was drownings. the 22nd right? drowning 20 in that second. area. Yeah. 20 seconds. And what's what it is, there, there's some bad holes in the undertow. Whenever there's a certain amount of water coming through the river, uh, it creates an undertow. And, you know, people that aren't familiar with the area, they, uh, they don't know about it and get in trouble. And usually it's the small, you know, younger guys that do get in trouble. I mean, there was a military guy that went across the river, 
stayed across the river all day. He came back through and drowned on his way back because the undertow got him. You know, it changes that much in, in that length of time. But it's, it's, you know, it was a bill I didn't really want to do, but for the public safety, uh, we went ahead and ran that bill and we got it through. So, well, look, I know I, I know you're a less government guy and a freedom is better guy like all of us are, and you don't really want to keep imposing things on people. But I know Sheriff Herford, who's a good friend of all of ours and does a fantastic job, is, is just really concerned about the loss of life that's taking place in, you know, in, in his area and his deputies having to go and try to do uh, rescue. And it's it's putting their lives in danger. And so it's. Right, the you know, divers. The divers were even concerned about going into this one area. Um, I mean, it's that bad of an area. It's all kind of debris in that forty-foot drop-off hole, and and that's where everybody ends up. So, it's it's it was a thing. But anyway, the uh, fines on it. The first one is a warning. Uh, the second one, I think, is a fifty-dollar fine. Maybe the third one would be a seventy-five or a hundred-dollar fine. But you know, I didn't want the fines to be outrageous. I, I want it to be more of an educational type deal. Yeah, just awareness. What it is, if awareness. you're a yeah. miner uh, and you're going to go into the water, you need to have a, a certified uh, life preserver, not an inner tube or something like that. You know, you can have an inner tube, but you need to have a life jacket on also. And it is for 70 miles from the dam uh, as a crow flies south. So... Uh, anywhere in that 70 mile range, if you're a miner, you will need a, a life jacket on. Uh, if you're just playing out on the beach and stuff like that, you know, you don't have to have a life jacket on. But if you're going to get in the water, you know, it's, it's going to be required. Right. Uh, one of the ways I looked at it was OSHA. If you're an employee of a company and you're working over any water, no matter what your age is, you have to have a life jacket on. So, I mean, that helped me in deciding to go ahead and at least require the miners to do it, yeah. you know, so. Well, well, we appreciate anyway. your work. We, were, we appreciate your work on that, and I know I know the sheriff is thankful for your help on that as well. Let's talk about the session. Well, it, Let's good, talk about the uh, yeah, session. Even the, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> hey, Rodney, even on the Texas side, they, they didn't oppose the bill. You know, I, I had all the support from law enforcement, wildlife and fisheries, and everybody else. Rodney, I want to okay. ask you about. Let's uh, see. What do you want to go to now? Rodney, I want to ask you about your district and the change that took place uh, in the new redistricting. Uh, how, how did you, uh, how does your district uh, shake out differently? I know you took in some Look, additional areas and maybe, maybe got bigger. Y'all know me in committees and stuff like that. I, I'm vocal. You know, what I think is right is right. I'm, I speak my mind. I don't really do it publicly, you know, but whenever we in them walls, I'm fighting, okay? I was on the committee to do reapportionment, okay? I stayed on that committee, and I received my notebook and everything, and just before we went to training on reapportionment, some reason or another, I got removed off of that committee, okay? So I got put on another committee, and they said, oh, you, you're needed over on that other committee. Well, they removed two of us off of uh, House and Governmental and put four more on. So anyway, I, I, I'm a little concerned about that because, look, I needed 300 more people in my district 
to make it whole. So before it was over with, on the redistricting, they had taken 22,000 of my 45,000 base, took 22,000 away from me, and gave me 22,000 more in Beauregard Parish. Now, that, that sends a message that, hey, you know, you're not playing by my rules, so we're going to try to get you replaced. Well, let me say this, Rodney. Let me say this. Let me cut in. Let me say this. I'm glad to have you in Beauregard Parish, man. We're glad to have you. Hey, I'm glad to be there. I mean, seriously. I I mean, they're my kind of people, too. Yeah, we're glad to have you. So at the end of the day, I mean, I know the people that you lost, and you know that 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 was important to you, and and you wanted to represent them, and and they wanted you to represent them. But, man, I'm glad to have you. I mean, that puts puts another great person in Beauregard Parish. Yeah, you know, Rodney, I lost a uh, a big big community of about – 3,000, 3,500 people. One little neighbor, one neighborhood got drawn out of mine. Now, I had to give some up, so I'm not complaining. But it was a great district. I mean, it was a great community. And what I did was I told those people, I said, look, y'all didn't, uh, y'all didn't lose me. I lost you. So I still take care right. of them, and I still serve them, just like, uh, just like well, that, whenever I got That's elected. what I told all of them that I've lost. You know, I, I mean, I lost the Wally. I lost D-Barb. I lost... Uh, Robeline, Martheville, I mean, just a number of uh, good communities, uh, Provincial. I mean, I've lost all of these good communities because, see, I ran in 15, so I met all of them in 15, 16, and I've continually gone and represented them even while I wasn't elected. But then whenever I was elected, I mean, really, my district is unique. I mean, if you want something to do, come to Sabine Parish, okay? They have something almost every weekend, and, and it's a beautiful place to come. So, and, and and I miss those areas that they've taken away, but I'm going to include the Maryville area, and, and, and I'm going to look forward to that, and the Sugartown area I also picked up. Well, but, and, and, uh, and, and look, the best part. Thank you to Chuck Owens to uh because whenever they did that we didn't change our outside footprint but representative owen stepped up and he said look i've got leesville i'm gonna get rose pine and i would like to have the city of deritter back so we did some horse trading so that cut my numbers down a lot you know for Borgard parish but thanks to uh, representative owens for doing that stepping up and, and taking that but but we did not change our footprint any from what they gave us yeah and, well uh, again the good news uh, about all that is is now you and i are neighbors we both represent beauregard oh, yeah. parish so that's well, a, we've been neighbors you just down there a little bit too far you know? <laughs> well no yeah, now now you're all up at you i mean you're almost at my house now i mean you know you're almost my rep I know. now you're almost my rep i'm not yeah i'm not really sure how i feel about that you know but you know i'm glad, <laughs> glad, glad to have you in the area and look man we appreciate you a lot and uh Good to you, serve with you, right? Yeah, it's really good to serve with you. I've, yeah. I've enjoyed the friendship. Uh, glad that, uh, you know, the opportunity for me to get to come back and, and meet people like you. And uh, what an honor to serve with you. And, and we appreciate all your oh, hard work. I, and I appreciate your leadership, uh, Brett, because, you know, you really helped us on the finances, understanding that for the, oh, those of us that are not ways and means and, and on the money committees, you know, you have helped keep us informed uh all the way, you know, from your past service. 
Well, and, and we really appreciate that knowledge. Well, it's and, been it's, it's been a great ride. It's been a great ride. I'm glad this session is over. But, uh, Rodney, we have to cut you loose, man. We appreciate you. Thanks for being on the show. Uh, we're going to be back after the break with Representative Larry Freeman. You're listening to the Moon Gravon Show. is out of control. Louisiana's education system failing our kids and our economy one of the worst. We need a new direction. We need Jeff Landry as governor, a former police officer, Army National Guardsman, Sheriff's Deputy, and our Louisiana Attorney General. Jeff Landry has a proven record of fighting crime. A small businessman, he successfully filled hundreds of jobs for Louisiana citizens. So Jeff Landry opposes high taxes and government red tape harming our economy. A husband and father, Jeff Landry knows all kids deserve a great education, not liberal politics pushed in the classroom. A leader standing up to Biden, protecting our pro-life values and Second Amendment freedoms, endorsed by the Republican Party of Louisiana. Our next governor... Jeff Landry. Paid for by Landry for Louisiana. Folks, if you get a chance to be in Shreveport or Baton Rouge, New Orleans, you know, and you haven't checked out Superior Grill and you like good Mexican food, please go to Superior Grill. Go check them out. You're going to enjoy everybody that I've sent there and really enjoyed the great taste of Superior Grill. They love the food. It's a big menu. It's a lot of different things you can pull out from the enchiladas to the fajitas to the tacos to the quesadillas to the steak to the hamburgers. They do it all at Superior Grill and that sauce and that queso is all so good. All you got to do is find a way to, to Shreveport, New Orleans, or Baton Rouge and get the great taste of Superior Grill. But, hey, if you're home and you're in, the, in those areas and you want to cater and, and, and people like that, they cater. They can handle big groups. I've been there with many big groups and had a great, great time. They'll accommodate you. They'll accommodate you the best they can. You can pick up food to go as usual. Line Avenue in Shreveport, Government Street and Holland Road in Baton Rouge and St. Charles Avenue in New Orleans. Superior Grill. It's great. And next year, we're going to have one right here in Lafayette. So. Hey, check them out. If you hit it that way, make darn sure you go check out the great taste of Superior Grill. Hi, all. Welcome back to the Moon Graffon Show. I'm Brad Gammon, your guest host for today, and joined in the studio with my friend and colleague from the Louisiana House of Representatives, Philip Tarver from Lake Charles. And uh, Philip, it's good to have you here. And, Thank you, sir. Good to be with you guys. Been been good to hear from our colleagues yeah, this morning. Yeah, a lot of a lot of good information. And I know we have one of our one of our favorites on the line <laughs> with us right now. And 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 it's uh, Representative Larry Freeman. Uh, Larry, are you with us? I'm here. I'm okay. here. Thank so, you for having me. So you know you you know you've been trapped. We have reeled you in now. So what we really wanted you on the show for was to talk about that new Toyota truck we're trying to sell you <laughs> that we sent you a picture of this morning. Did you get so. my picture, Larry? 
Beautiful truck. I mean that that lake that lake that Lake Charles Toyota is a really nice place to to buy a truck. So uh, there you go. There you could go. Yeah, there, there we got that Addy and that free Addy and Brandon. How do you like that, man? We've been practicing that all week. We got that free Lake Charles Toyota Addy in. So. Uh, moon, might be, hey, moon might bill you off for that one. Might, so he might. Oh gosh. Hey, really, real, real, real quick. What's your summary of the end of the session there, Larry? Well, first of all, let me just say this before I even get to that. It is an absolute honor to serve with two conservative patriots in, in you and uh, Philip and Brett. Uh, it, it is just an honor to, to stand with you all in this fight we had. And, and it's, a, it's a pleasure for me to talk to you this morning. So I wanted to say that first. But what happened at the end of the session, you know, as these articles, and I saw a new one come out today or, or just recently, talking about the Senate finance chairman, uh, Bodie White, saying he didn't know it was in the bill. They only had five minutes to vote on it. And now they're going to have hearings after the fact to figure out what was in the bill. Well, I, I, I'll tell you, the nine of us I who voted no so. are going to be found. The, the nine of us who voted no on that HB1 is going to be found to be right. We voted no because we did not know what was in it. We had no idea what was in it, and no one else did. And even the leadership in the Senate is now admitting they didn't know what was in it. But they voted for it. Yep. I, you know, Larry, I've, I've been in a few sessions before, and, and I, as you know by now, we've gotten to know each other the last couple of years. Um, the budget is very important to me. It's kind of my wheelhouse. It's what I have a lot of interest in. It's what I've been involved in a lot over the years. And the thing that bothered me the most, whether you're for or against, breaking the expenditure limit or how you're spending money or where, what district it's going into. All of that is debatable and we have differences of opinion, but what I think you really can't defend is doing such important legislation that late in the day on the last day. The process is important and we have to protect the integrity of that. And I think the people I've talked to, I think that's one of the things moving forward that many people say, Hey, we got to fix that no matter who is the governor, uh, who is in leadership we need to fix that and make sure that we have a better process and, and more time for all of us to be able to see what we're voting on and make the best decision we can, whether we agree with each other or not. Well, the, like you said, the, well, yeah. point, the point is it is debatable. Well, in this case, it was not debatable. And that, that, I think that's the source of aggravation in hindsight being 2020. Uh, everybody uh, or a lot of people are coming up and now and saying, well, you know what? We really didn't know what we were doing. Well, that's not a good thing to be telling the people that we didn't know what we were doing. I knew what I was doing. But, well, you know, I, and I agree. And, and obviously going forward, we have to try to find solutions to not allow that to happen. But it, it, in all in looking back on it in retrospect, I could tell you I am convinced that was a planned situation to force us under the gun, not give us the time to look at it because of all of the bad stuff, all the pork, all the ridiculous spending that was in there. They did not want us to know what was in there because if we brought that to light, that might have made more than just nine people vote no, but they didn't want to hear that. They didn't want to see it. They didn't want the light to be shed on it, but it's being shed on now and people are going through that budget and, and re reporting on it. And uh, the Pelican Institute is doing a phenomenal job deciphering all this and, and providing us with that information. And as that information becomes available, that budget starts to smell worse and worse and worse. Yeah, well, no question, no question. And um, I, again, I go back to the point that for me, speaking for me only, but I think you would agree, 
is really just the meltdown of the process. That was the thing that I think bothered everybody the most, whether, again, whether you agreed with what was in the budget or not. Really, just the fact that we couldn't ask questions, couldn't have debate, couldn't, mainly because of time, and couldn't couldn't really do due process of that budget. And, and look, I, I, I think that the key is we need to figure out what are we going to do next time before it's too late. Larry, they're cutting me off right now. Brandon's telling me we got to go. So thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll be back after the break with Representative Jonathan Gudo. You're listening to the Moon Gravante. law enforcement official jeff landry has failed us murder rape carjackings under landry's watch louisiana is now the most dangerous state in america Stephen Wagaspak has a plan to take louisiana back from the criminals it starts by supporting law enforcement and giving them the tools they need Wagaspak will work with da's and prosecutors ensuring repeat offenders stay off our streets Stephen Wagaspak for a safer louisiana paid for by reboot louisiana pack Hi, I'm Mike Gwynn with Gwynn Auction Company, and I would like to sell your used construction equipment, farm equipment, and vehicles. We offer flexible seller's options, including buyout price, guaranteed sales price, and straight commission. Whether you are looking to reduce a fleet, liquidate a business, or get a high wholesale value on your trade when purchasing new equipment, we have a plan for you. Give us a call today. Let's talk auction. 337-824-0422. When Stephen Wagaspak was Governor Bobby Jindal's top aide, Louisiana's economy sank from 6th to 42nd. 13,000 manufacturing jobs disappeared. Essential state programs faced severe cuts, and one in five Louisianans was left in poverty. Then, Wagaspak backed Biden's $2 trillion spending bill, creating record inflation and record debt. Stephen Wagaspak warned us. And we're going to change this state forever. Stephen Wagaspak, a mistake we can't make twice. Paid for by Protect Louisiana's Children, LLC. Cancer care. This hour of the Moon Graffon Show is brought to you by Matthew James Tax and Wealth Management. Online at MatthewJames.com. Welcome back to the Moon Graffon Show. I'm Brett Gaiman, your guest host for today. Joined in the studio with my good friend from Lake Charles and colleague in the House of Representatives, Philip Tarver. And also in the studio, another one of my good friends that I've gotten to know over the last few years, Representative Jonathan Gudo. Jonathan, how you doing, man? Good morning. Thanks for having me. It's great to be back with a couple of colleagues that enjoy being around in, in the, the chamber. Yeah, well, it's good to have somebody here in the Acadiana region who can actually come in the studio. Everybody <laughs> else has been from all right. over the world. Right. Been calling all over the state trying to get somebody to talk to us. You know, yeah, exactly. Philip and I can drive over from the Lake Charles area without any trouble, but it's good to have you here and uh, and, and good, to, good to be a colleague of yours. And uh, it's an absolute honor to, uh, to to serve with you. And and um, thanks again for being here. Likewise, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, let's let's just do a quick recap uh, uh, of the session. A couple of issues that came up, and we're going to talk about a few things that you've done over the years, and and some issues that are important to you. And uh, one thing I want to mention right off the bat is, you know, we had a tough session. Uh, the budget was a big issue, uh, and one of the things that we fought for was to find a way to fund teacher pay raises. And we talked earlier in the show to another rep about this, but we. We sent over a budget from the House side that all of us, I think all of us, thought was a really, really good budget. And it included a way to fund teacher pay raises through paying off retirement debt 
and letting the locals do that. That didn't catch on in the Senate. <clears throat> so we kind of retreated and all agreed among ourselves that we'd find another way to do that, to fund teacher pay. Uh, you were part of that group, and, and we, we were willing and wanted to do a permanent teacher pay raise in the state operating budget. And, um, and, and you were for that, right? I was for that, 100%. Okay, so we, we had money in House Bill 1, which is the instrument that funds our government. But what ended up happening at the end of session is we didn't get to hear and vote on a bill that would have made it permanent. And that was the MFP formula that pays for the teacher pay raises on a permanent way. But our intentions are, uh, and I think we had preamble language and a resolution that was filed, is to make it permanent beginning next year. So talk a little bit about that and, and your thoughts on how we, you know, how we did on that. Yeah, look, I mean, uh, when it comes to the supplemental pay and teacher pay raise, I, I'm ex-law enforcement. My son's in law enforcement currently now. So for someone to think that I'm not for that, that's a misnomer. Now, when we talk about teacher pay raise, it's the same thing. I have a daughter-in-law that's a teacher. I have a, a roughly 12 immediate family members that are currently teachers. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm for that 100%. You yeah. know, and it's not just whether I got family members in it or not. It's, it's, it's vital. It's vital to the state that we have good teachers in place. Retention is, is huge, and we're, we're having a tough time doing Absolutely. that right now, retaining them and recruiting them, teachers and law enforcement. Yeah. It's, it's a tough spot to be in. Absolutely. So we didn't really get a chance. Maybe I'll ask the question this way. Did you actually get a chance to vote specifically for a permanent teacher pay raise? No. Of but course not. The, they, way, the way that thing went through so fast that uh, – you know, I've heard different variation stories, you know, after the session's over here and things, you know, giving us five minutes, whatever the case may be, just the fact that we, you know, shame on us for not reading it fast enough. You know? Well, the, 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 the permanent teacher pay raise would, would have been in the MFP formula, which right. was an instrument, uh, SCR2, which uh, had passed Education Committee and Appropriations Committee unanimously and was on the House floor to be heard. We didn't get to that bill. It was never presented. We were never given the opportunity to vote for that bill, which would have locked it in. However, we did have um, um, preamble language and a resolution saying that next year we wanted to be able to do that. But the point is we were for that, originally for it, doing it locally. But, again, that idea didn't, didn't catch on. And the irony is had we done that, there would have been a permanent teacher pay raise. But the, anyway, regardless, I did not make it through. That concept did not make it through. So we went back to just funding it through the, the operating budget, which we were for. And so you, people just need to understand what happened. In fact, Philip and I driving over this morning, we're talking about a local teacher group, union group, that is blasting our whole delegation at home for not doing teacher pay raises when we were the ones that were actually trying to do teacher pay raises. And so I was communicating with them that, you know, you're going after the wrong people because we were for this. We didn't get the chance to do it. And, yeah, you, know. you, you, can't, you can't go to the grocery store, load your basket up, and go register and pay for it without knowing what's in there. we got to know what's in there. When you're asking for money in a big budget like that, we need to know what's in that budget before we can allow that money to go through. We yeah. knew about the teacher's pay raise. We knew supplemental pay. Yeah. You know, and bringing that, the deficit down on that, the, the, the debt on that, the budget, I mean, that's, that's, that was critical. John, yeah. let's talk about a couple other things, at least one that's kind of important and, and, and dear to me because I'm, you know, I'm a car dealer, and, and we've had a lot of trouble in the last four, five, six years with catalytic converters. And I know you were instrumental in uh, not this last year but the year before in, in bringing a bill, a catalytic converter bill before us. And there was, at that particular time, there was about 10 or 12 of them all filed. 
and we all gravitated around that one that you you did. Can you can you hit on it? And I think we might have even made a little improvement on it this time. So just talk a little bit about what you did Correct. there to it, uh, make that happen. It gravitated to mine. Everyone felt that mine was a, had the toughest, uh, you know, as far as enforcing it, uh, uh, restrictions in it. That was the, the biggest thing. You know, the cro- crossing against Texas is where everything was going. And so when they figured it out, they started coming over here. So we shut that down. Um, I've heard from the mayor's office here how they've seen a huge decrease in that as well, too. So that, that was, you know, heartwarming for me to see that. It, it's, we just don't pass a bill, but it's also working. Yeah. So, uh, and you did a good job with that bill. Yeah, that it, was important. It made the crime tougher. So it's, and, and again, they, like you said, we brought something back this year that I didn't bring it, but they, they brought some more back to even make it tougher again. So it's working. Good. I'm glad to see that. That's what we're there for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jonathan, we've had some tough issues in session you know, this past session that just ended. And one of them was uh, Gabe Furman's bill, which we had him on earlier in the show, um, um, dealing with the gender reassignment surgery, I think is the technical name of that for minors. And and we we made that uh, something that would be illegal here in our state. Uh, and that might be vetoed. I mean, your thoughts on that, you know, what do you think, uh, what do you think the outcome is going to be on that? And do you support going into a veto session override override session to override that veto if in fact that does happen i'm hearing the governor's gonna probably veto it and if that's the case i am in favor of, of going back in for that you know we have a, a few bills that are on the chopping block so to speak that uh, i think we need to get behind and, and and stand our ground again yeah so you that's think it's worth the effort for us to go back even though it costs sixty thousand dollars a day or whatever because that issue is that important well when you look at the deals that were made to to get the Democrats on board and the senators on board. I mean, if you start doing the math on those numbers too, mm-hmm. um, it, it's, it's vital that we spend that money to, to get this done. Get yeah, I mean, it was a, uh, we were talking earlier on the show, it was a big national outrage over that, you know, that, and, and a lot of support for Gabe and his effort to, to pass that bill. And we sure hate to see it be vetoed and, you know, have to wait another year to do that because I think uh, a lot of the other states that have passed it around us would be sending their... Uh, patients here to Louisiana to have the, those surgeries done. So, John, John talk about the, uh, you had a bill, and, and I, I don't remember exactly how it worked, but I know it was a good thing that you did to, um, to uh, compensate the, the minors for a DWI. Talk, tell us about yeah, that. It, I know it was, that was one of those bills that was really tough because you had lawyers on both sides fighting you, <laughs> but yeah. yet it was a good concept. And uh, Yeah, we uh, did. Look, it, it, um, it, the big homicide bill and. Basically, if one or both of the parents were killed through the negligence of a DWI driver, that person would be liable for restitution, not necessarily child support, but restitution to the leaving minors as well, too. And it was heavily supported by MAD, MAD Mothers Against Drunk Drivers. And, uh, so they're really excited. We called it Cody's Law. Cody's Law. Yeah, so, so if, you, if, I'm, if, if someone's a uh, DWI and kills another person and that person has a minor child, then the, the DWI person has some responsibility for the care and financial uh, All care way through of that college. person. Correct. Whether it's three years old or uh, 15 years old, they're going to be responsible for supporting. And we got it passed. So I guess those lawyers on both sides kind of found a way to, to make it work. Right. Yeah, we made it through the whole idea. process. I'm very proud of that. Now it's just waiting on the governor's signature. Yeah. Hey, Jonathan, I know you're from the Katyana area and, and, and we're in your home. You're, we're in your home court right now, but get, give us the boundaries and, you know, your district number and like where are the boundaries so people listening here locally would know where your actual representative district lies. Yeah, so uh, 
District 31, it's encompassing of Ambassador Caffrey to cut short all the way to Johnson Street into Abbeville to Martin Luther King Drive past that. Left to right or east to west, it takes Bear Out School Road all the way to the parish line, and it comes through the airport road and comes back around to uh, Highway 14. Okay. And are you running for re-election again? I, I hope am. you are. Oh, yeah. You are? Okay. We've we got, got a lot of work to do. That's great news. That's great news because it's definitely an honor to serve with you. I know you're a really good conservative voice for us, and um, and we enjoy having you around. So I think, Brandon, are we? Are you giving me the hook to get out of, get to the break real quick? So, Jonathan, if you'll stay with us, we're going to do another segment with you uh, as we wrap up. We're going to go to a break real quick. You're listening to the Moon Gravange. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember recess? Our children may not, because teachers and schools are judged on how well our kids are prepared to take a one-size-fits-all standardized test. Teachers must teach the test. It's not the same as actual learning. And worse, teachers can't get kids out of the classroom and on the playground to learn citizenship, responsibility, and character. Employers look for those things. They can be the difference between an auto mechanic and a car thief. The truth is teachers should be in charge and parents, but we're 2,500 teachers short because we don't pay them or let them do their jobs. So pay them, let them do their jobs. You may say this is common sense. You'd be right. My name is Hunter Lundy. I paid for this ad because I'm running for governor. I'm a Christian and an independent. Let's let kids learn about life before they're old enough to be in it. And I mean it. Paid for by Lundy for Louisiana. Insanity, doing the same thing again and again and expecting a different result. Louisiana's education system consistently ranks at the bottom. For years, we've had the same wrong answer, throw more money at the problem. But something is happening in other states. Parents are being empowered to pick a school that fits their child's need through education scholarship accounts. Parents in other states can choose where to spend their child's education dollars. Public school, private school, charter school, home school. You can learn more at a school that fits.com at a school that fits.com. When Stephen Wagaspak was Governor Bobby Jindal's top aide, Louisiana's economy sank from 6th to 42nd. 13,000 manufacturing jobs disappeared. Essential state programs faced severe cuts, and one in five Louisianans was left in poverty. Then, Wagaspak backed Biden's $2 trillion spending bill, creating record inflation and record debt. Stephen Wagaspak warned us. And we're going to change this state forever. Stephen Wagaspak, a mistake we can't make twice. Paid for by Protect Louisiana's Children, LLC. Here's another tip. Welcome back to the Moon Graffon Show. I'm Brett Guyman, your guest host for today, joined in the studio with my colleague and friend, Representative Philip Tarver from Lake Charles, and also here, a local rep from the Cadiana region, uh, Representative Jonathan Gudo. And Jonathan, again, thanks for stopping by and taking time to come in and visit with us today here live in person, because like Philip said earlier, we've had to talk to people on the phone because... We're so far away from all the other people who have been on the show, but glad you're in here with I, us. I enjoy coming in and staying in contact with my constituents, people, keeping everybody abreast of what's going on. So, yeah, thanks for having me. Well, and 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 we talked uh, in the first segment a little bit about some of your the things that you've done that have been important to you, and I know that you've got a good record with uh, all of us in the conservative wing of the legislature and the uh, the people that tend to be more uh, you know pro freedom, pro life. 
I know you've got a very good pro-life voting record. Uh, uh, NRA, Second Amendment, important to all the people here in the state. I know you've got a very good record on that. And I think you've got a really good record with the business community, NFIB and some of the others. If you want to mention that, uh, at least to my knowledge, with serving with you, you've always been on the right side of those issues. And yeah. don't forget freedom, because freedom is better. Freedom <laughs> is better. That's what we like to say. Freedom <laughs> is better. Yeah, I, I do have a good uh, record with Lobby as well, too, and the NFIB. Because uh, I am a small business owner for 32 years here in Lafayette. So that, that's near and dear to my heart to make sure we're doing the right things to promote business. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need to raise taxes, you know, to, to generate. You've got to bring businesses in. That's going to generate your tax base. And also it keeps jobs, you know, where people don't have to, to flee the state, go to Texas and other states. My experience in the legislature has always been people who own their own business always look through a different lens because they know what it takes to have the doors open every morning. And it's tough. And I know Philip Tarver is a... A local business owner. I have a, a local business. You you are in. Uh, we all, at one time we all served on commerce committee together. I'm off now, but I think you may still be on that committee. Yeah, right. yeah, and that and that's a great committee. That's that's the committee that sees and hears all the legislation and the bills that pertain to the business community, banking, real estate, and all those things come before that committee. But I think we look through a different lens, and I mean we look at things in a way that how's this going to impact jobs, the economy you know, people's lives, uh, and we understand what it takes to have the doors open every day. Yeah, you, you have to. You know, if, uh, if, if we would do that to run the state, uh, we wouldn't be in the position we're in right now if we'd run it like a business, and it really needs to be done that way. Because I guarantee you, if all that money was spent and it affects your, your pocket, your bottom line, they wouldn't have spent yep. that money they spent. You know, you're going to look for different ways. Either you cut back, and if you got a, a fruitful year next year, then you can, you know, make some more ground if you need to that way. Nothing wrong with saving you know? a little money for a little while either, especially right. when you have a lot of roller coaster going on. Yeah. There's nothing you know, wrong and, with just parking it in a in a place there to get to it later and say, okay, now this makes sense. Let's go do this. Right. But I, you rush it through and you get what you get or you get what yeah. we got. You in, know? In, in Mount Business, there there is some rainy days. You know, I mean, you got you got some ups and downs. You, you know, if you think about it, I just this just occurred to me. If you think about it. What we were trying to do was be patient about how we spent all that money, right? I mean, that was the whole point of what we were trying to I knew you were, were going to come back into the budget somehow. <laughs> well, that's I knew we were, were headed back if there. If you think about it, that's what we were really advocating was, is we don't have to rush out and blow all this money real quick. Well, come to find out, guess what? That's what we did. And now we're backing up and saying, well, wait a minute. What happened here? Yeah. So it's like... That's kind of ironic to me. Yeah. I, just, I know a lot of conversation now that we're on that subject matter um, is, you know, we talked about freeing up money for the for the years coming ahead where the revenue estimating forecast is saying that we're going to have shortfalls again. So, yeah, it fit right into the to the business analogy. Yeah, we haven't even gone into this. I'm, I don't mean to steal no. time here, Jonathan, <laughs> but it's, you know, in not next year, the, the budget will be working on next year, but the one after that, $400 million deficit. Not counting teacher pay. Not counting the $280 million that we're going to do for teacher pay. So really $700 million deficit looking at us this year after next mm-hmm. and another $700 million the year after that. Now, yeah. what are we going to do with that? Yeah. Well, I lived through the Bobby Jindal era, and um, we, we uh, you know, it was like getting a root canal every day when you went to session because everyone was mad at you because we were having to cut, 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 cut all the time. I mean, and it was very painful. I'm hoping we can figure out how to mitigate that and not go through that. But that was part of the underlying reason why many of us were fighting to uh, tap the brakes on spending all the money. Yeah, look, they, every four years, I mean, in my 19 years of law enforcement, in addition to my 32 years as a business owner, there's, there's every four years in election year, there's three things you recognize they hold hostage, and it's supplemental pay, teachers' pay, and hospitals. Mm-hmm. Every four years, like clockwork, that's what they're going to hold hostage 
because they know it's important to the people, it's important to your community, and that's what they're going to hold hostage on. Yeah, and and the reality, I think sometimes unfairly, those of us on the more conservative side of the political spectrum are viewed with this broad brush of, well, we don't like teachers or we don't like law enforcement or we don't like whoever because we're not for pay raises. And that couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, we, we believe in, in the, we believe in our educators. We know what they're going through and we trust them to, to do what they need to do. And we know they need to be paid. Right. I think the thing to point out there is we're not the ones that put them on the chopping block. Right. The governor and the other leadership, they're the ones that put them in jeopardy and put them on that kind of, in that kind of position, not us. Yeah. You, you, you've talked to the, the local law enforcement, you know, I have, you know, Lafayette, Maurice and Abbeville, the sheriffs and the chiefs, you know, the crime is getting out of hand, you know, so, we do need a, to fund our police departments. It, again, retention is a big thing, and um, and recruiting is a big thing. So they'll, they'll, they they struggle with that. You could talk to any, and it's not just in this area here, mm-hmm. you know. But that's talking to my business owners and constituents. That, that's a big concern of theirs. Yeah, and I, you know, and look, some argue that we shouldn't be doing supplemental pay at the state level, and it'll be done in locally, and other states don't do it this way. And neither here nor there. At the end of the day, our law enforcement folks are important, and we need to make sure that they're being paid <clears throat> enough that they can be retained and recruited. And I know that my sheriffs have said it's a really big problem right now <clears throat> to get people because the pay is not that great. Right. And you're risking your life, and we know how important that is to, to have them there. So, uh, again, we we were the ones who were supporting that and sometimes unfairly criticized you know, by the public, thinking that, oh, those old conservative Republicans, they don't believe in Pay raises. And hey, we got a minute or two to talk about the possible veto session. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's go with it. But you, you, you've been stirring him up all morning. Well, I can tell. <laughs> Thank goodness he's getting us off the budget for a while anyway. He had to go down that hole with it. So. Well, you know, we, I, I, what I wanted to talk about on the veto session, did we already talk about this? Or we, <laughs> you know, the, uh, the really the key to, to a potential veto session lies in, in Gabe's 648 bill. If the governor vetoes that, those uh, people that uh, let that thing die in the Senate to start with heard a lot of vocal uh, outcry against that little short-term uh, tabling of that. And, and they got a lot of attention from the public that said, we want this. And, and if they don't, if he vetoes it and we don't go back into, into veto's override session, there ain't going to be a, a second chance. It, 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 this is our only opportunity to salvage that that uh, measure, and, and it's very important that people know that, that, you know, if he vetoes that bill, we got to make sure that the people come out and say, we got to get in and, and take care of this because yeah. it'll be our only chance. Because yeah. it's going to be a push, uh, Jonathan, for, for us to get our colleagues to, to commit to going back and, and, and doing that veto override. Yeah, we're going to have to rally and, and, and get something done. You know, um, it's only not over a week, and I miss you guys already, and here we are talking about <laughs> No, I don't know about all that now. I don't know, I don't know if you miss us You got already. better things to do than miss us, I believe. <laughs> it just the, the sheer strength of what we had and the camaraderie, you know, that, yeah. that says a lot for, you know, the, the, when, you, when you first come in there, Brett, you know you've been there, done that, but my first time coming in, you know, you, you're building a whole new family. Yep. And, and to see that strength of us, you know, the camaraderie is just great. I, I think that's well said. And I thought about that riding over here this morning. You know, through the tough battles we went through this session, regardless of what side of the issues you're on, we, we learned about each other. We became closer. We have a bond. Uh, we learned about people's character. We just, we become a family. Yeah. And that's really what it boiled down to is we become a family. <laughs> and, um, and, we're, and we all really want to do the right thing over there. And sometimes it gets difficult 
and, and those and lines look, get blurry. But um, we all do, you know, the best we can at, at, and at moving let, the needle. Let's not forget, speaking of family, the strength of the family, the bond of your loved ones back home Absolutely. that are supporting you while you're going while all you're this gone. time. That's right. Your family, your kids, you, know, you really, really, really have to have that backbone and that strength behind yeah. you. That, that's one thing that helps you get through this. No doubt. Well, man, we are glad you were able to come in with us today. Brandon, uh, thanks for letting us all come in and take over your office. Even though the music was really not that great. <laughs> you're not going to let him forget the music, <laughs> no, are you? We do appreciate you uh, letting us all come in and, and do our thing. Y'all do a great job, man. I, I enjoy it. Yeah. All right. Well, um, Jonathan, good luck to you. Glad to hear you're running. And, it's, again, it's an honor to serve with you. And, Philip, thanks for spending your day with us. Hey, man, here. thanks for inviting me. I, uh, even though I did have to drive you over here, we got to reverse <laughs> reverse uh, driving Mr. Daisy. Thing. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. But thanks again, and, uh, and uh, thanks again for letting us host today, uh, Brandon. And you've been listening to the Moon Graffon Show, and hope all of you have a wonderful day. It's not immune to facts. The Dan Bongino Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Brobridge, Lafayette, a Town Square media station broadcasting from the Matthew James Financial Studio. A critical look at a major law enforcement agency. I'm Rich Dennison, Fox News. A two-year Department of Justice investigation into the Minneapolis Police Department after the death of George Floyd finds police engaged in systematic use of excessive force and discriminated against minorities in the years before the killing. The Department of Justice has concluded that there is reasonable cause to believe that the Minneapolis Police Department and the city of Minneapolis engaged in a pattern or practice of conduct that violates the first and Fourth Amendments of the United States Constitution. Attorney General Merrick Garland says the investigation found that Minneapolis officers engaged in activity violating the Civil Rights Act, Americans with Disabilities Act, and Safe Streets Act. Outrage over Floyd's death led to nationwide violence during the summer of 2020. This just in, a jury has returned guilty verdicts against Robert Bowers. He's the gunman charged in the shooting deaths of 11 worshippers at the Pittsburgh Tree of Life Synagogue in 2018. The 50-year-old was charged with 63 criminal counts in what prosecutors say was the deadliest anti-Semitic attack in the nation's history. At least three people are dead, dozens more injured after a tornado hit the Texas town of Perryton. Sabrina Devers lives near the town. The devastation was unbelievable. It took a tanker truck and threw it into a pasture. It has all the uh, all of the lines were knocked down. The buildings, we're an oil field and ranching community, and the buildings were just flattened. Hundreds of thousands remain without power in Texas, Louisiana, and along the path of severe weather from Oklahoma to Alabama to Florida. More damaging storms are possible today over the plains, the Mississippi Valley, and the Gulf Coast. America is listening to Fox News. At Simply Safe, we know during a break-in, every second counts. So our home security system is powered by 24/7 professional monitoring agents who use Fast Protect technology only from Simply Safe to capture video evidence and verify a threat. 
for fast police response. Now, install Simply Safe your way. Do it yourself or have an expert set it up for you with new Pro Install. Get 20% off any new system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/radio. There's no safe like Simply Safe. I'm Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I learned about atrial fibrillation the hard way. My symptoms would come and go: shortness of breath, fatigue. I kept going. Then I got so lightheaded, I couldn't. My doctor said I have AFib, so I'm about five times more likely to have a stroke. Other symptoms, irregular heartbeat, heart racing, chest pain can come and go, but the risk of stroke stays. If you have symptoms, tell a doctor. Visit notimetowait.com. This hour brought to you by Restoration One of Lafayette, your local expert for water, fire, and mold remediation. Call 337-RESTORE now and let them get your home back to its original glory. The views expressed in the following show are those of the hosts or hosts only. They do not represent News Talk 96.5 KPL or Town Square Media. to the best of the Moon Graffon Show. Hi, y'all. Welcome back. Moon Graffon Show. Great to have you with us. 844-766-6607. Matthew James, Tax Wealth Management Hotline. By the way, at 1030, Scott McKay will join us from the Hayride. Big event tonight uh, in Baton Rouge. I'll be one of the speakers. It's uh, Louis Gomez, former congressman out of Texas, Alex Seaball, representative, who needs to be the next senator in that district by four. Uh we got all that going on tonight, and then we'll talk with him about some of the issues that's, that he's been covering as well. All righty, we are joined. Pleasant. I'm glad to have him back on the program. Phil Kirpin, President of American Commitment. Mr. Phil, what's going on, brother? Not too much. How are you? Mr. Phil, every day, one day at a time, man, I'm doing everything I can. <laughs> I'm no different than you, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, it's uh, summer now. What did it get real swampy down there? Yeah, oh my God! Yeah, we we uh, they're getting ready to pass a budget, and it's all federal money, and they're spending every penny just about. So it's uh, people are jumping them down because everybody. We got a mighty gras economy down here, friend. Phil, throw me uh-huh. some. So uh, everybody's happy, but nobody's concerned about the future. But they're just glad today. So anyway, it is what it is. Uh, all right, let's talk a little bit about what you want to talk about. Uh, we talked a little bit about seniors, uh, people fifty-five and older. As a poll, uh, dealing with a lot of different issues from uh, from Medicare to the Inflation Reduction Act and things of that nature. So what's going on? Tell us. Well, um, we fought pretty hard against that bill last year, which was a pretty terrible bill in my opinion. And, you know, one of the reasons that I think we lost and the Democrats were able to get it done, you know, besides the fact that, you know, they had Democrat House and Senate and White House, and they're going to do what they want to do. Uh, but I think that really the, the problem was the influence uh, that AARP has and uh, the uh, their ability to continue to pretend to represent seniors when uh, really the, the way their whole scheme works is they make almost all of their money uh, not from seniors but from their corporate partners. And the biggest one, of course, is United Health, which is 
not only the largest healthcare company in the country, it's one of the largest companies, period, at this point. Uh, it's actually larger than the largest bank. So United Health is actually bigger than J.P. Morgan, which is kind of an incredible uh, factoid that I saw the other day. Uh, but uh, they got this deal basically where every United Health product that has the AARP brand on it, uh, 5% of the premiums every month gets kicked back to AARP, and they mint money that way, something like $800 million to a billion dollars a year. Wow. And you know, in the business world, that's nice money, but in the political world, that's like, you know, makes you 10 or 100 times bigger than all the other groups. And of course, uh, a huge amount of that money gets funneled back into doing events and, you know, Phil, advertising Phil, things, Phil, promoting since Democrats. Said, since you said that, I want you to talk how that works because they get money back and then they give to the Democrats because that's who they support. But everybody that is giving into that deal is, is ne- not necessarily Democrats. They're not for Democrats, but the money yeah, gets so to go back you, anyway. Yeah, so if you've got an AARP United health insurance plan, like a Medicare Advantage or, you know, a Medigap plan or, or whatever, if it's got the AARP brand on your health insurance plan, then 5% of your premium every month is getting sent to AARP. So it's a skim right on the top. It's uh, the ultimate junk fee. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they... Uh, they uh, you know, it's the one junk fee the Democrats love. So the president's, oh, I hate junk fees on luggage or whatever, but a 5% skim on that they love because, you know, they did about 100 events last year uh, before and after the passage of that bill and in, in, uh, in press releases and advertising, all of that. I think there was one Republican they supported, Senator Mike Crapo, who didn't even, he had like, I don't even know if he had an opponent. So, you know, they did one token Republican, but otherwise it was all, all for Democrats. And so you've got this system where, you know, they're basically able to mint money because they've got, you know, they're taking a scam off of all of these Medicare insurance products, uh, and they use it for, for Democratic politics. Yeah, politics. They use it to pass legislation that keeps this, keeps it going, that supports the interests of the insurance industry. Well, it's one of the reasons I never, ever joined AARP. I just was not going to give to the scam, and I knew it was a scam going on when they first did that, but I knew they were always voting left and always voting for whoever Santa Claus was. The Democrats play Santa Claus. One day Santa Claus ain't going to have nothing in the bag because everybody's going to be broke, and uh, I don't know what they're going to do at that point. Well, the craziest thing about this bill they did last year is so, you know, they took a lot of money out of prescription drug spending in Medicare, about $300 billion, and they said, you know, they said you're still going to have as many drugs as you did before. They're just going to be cheaper because we're refusing to pay. You know, we're going to slash how much we pay by, you know, about $300 billion. Well, I'm pretty sure you're not going to have the same amount of drugs as you did before if they spend, the government spends $300 billion less. But let's say that's true. Let's say somehow it's going to work the way the Democrats said it's going to work. Well, what do they do with the money? Do they keep it in Medicare? No. <laughs> they spent it all on green energy subsidies. They gave all the money to, you know, wind and solar and electric vehicles. And, uh, you know, <laughs> so you know, when you tell seniors that, uh, they're pretty angry. So that was one of the things we polled was kind of we, if people knew about what AARP was doing with United Health. And if they understood where the money was going in that bill, and, you know, you can look at the poll. It's on our website at AmericanCommitment.org. But it's, you know, all of these questions, we're getting 80 percent, 90 percent. I mean, just numbers you've never seen before of people who think it's wrong what AARP is doing or think it's wrong what this bill did. And so I think there's a huge opportunity here. Well, one, I think there's a business opportunity for conservative seniors groups like AMAC and 60 Plus and others to, you know, compete and to point this out and say switch your business over. But I also think... It's a political opportunity. If Republicans are smart, you know, they ought to be banging this drum nonstop that all the Democrats voted for this bill that raids money out of Medicare drug spending to spend on green energy giveaways. And, uh, 
the, the fake seniors group AARP was all for it because you know they do what's good for their corporate allies and their Democratic friends. Amazing. I'm not to get you started on the Green New Deal because we've done this before, Richard, but it's amazing the amount of billions and billions and hundreds of billions and trillions of dollars they're trying to put in the Green New Deal to force something on them that's not true. And but, uh, I'm fighting you, them here. You know, with, I'm boom, fighting. the price tag. Yes, sir. The price tag from this bill they passed last year has already doubled yeah. in terms of what they're going to give. Well, to the well let me let me say the this. Original price you. tag. Well, let me say this Sorry, too. It's causing inflation. And the food prices are outrageous. They're going to get worse. And everybody got to understand. I'm reading article after article all over the, all over the world, and their food and drug prices and everything are being skyrocketed by the lie of the new Green Deal. Well, it's going to be you're not going to be able to. It's going to be hard to buy food. And you know, Phil, in the United States of America, me and you had this conversation. The one, two things that we've always had, which is great. Number one is energy prices that are affordable and sustainable. And that's what we had before they came in with the Green New Deal. And the second thing is, uh, is uh, low, low uh, cost of food. Well, food was cheap. So when you got cheap food and cheap energy, you can get around, you can eat, and you can go live and do everything you want to do. They're causing this to go up, and nobody even, it acts like they're not even mad about it yet. No, it's a really good point. So, I mean, you know, not only... Not only did they raid a lot of money out of what's being spent on seniors' prescription drugs, and I'm pretty sure that's going to lead to fewer drugs being developed, but they're spending it on subsidizing more expensive sources of energy, so you're going to spend more on energy. So this is one of the worst design bills in history because you get whacked on both ends if you're a senior. There's no doubt about it, and let's face most seniors, I think you're going to agree with me, probably have a fixed cost with their retirement and things of that nature. So when they get, when inflation hits, it's bad enough to increase taxes, but when inflation hits... That's a killer for everybody. I don't care if you're older, younger. It really eats into what you can do with your money. Yeah, great point. Well, let me ask you a question. What, uh, can any of this be changed? All the stuff that you're talking about, especially with AARP, or do we need more and more people to notice what the Democrats did when they passed it? Well, you know, the thing, the thing that I've been trying to get Congress to do is uh, to put some disclosure on the point of sale on all these insurance products, because right now there's just some tiny language at the bottom of the thing that says, you know, a royalty was paid to ARP on this product. I think it should be like a bold print thing that says 5% of your premium every month forever goes to the ARP, because I don't think people know that when they sign up for these products, and I think it would change, uh, you know, the purchasing decisions on a lot of these Medicare insurance products if people knew that, especially if they thought about, you know, sort of the political implications of ARP spending. Uh, so I would like to see uh, a disclosure uh, strengthening done, but, you know, I don't think you need legislation. I mean, because... If people know, then they know. If you did it by disclosure, you just did it by spreading the word. And so I think uh, talking about it, you having me on, uh, raising awareness of it, uh, you know, we can take a dent out of what they're doing and, and, uh, and steer people maybe towards alternatives that are not being skimmed off the top that might be a better deal for them. But more importantly, even if it's not a better deal or a better plan, you're not going to be funding people that promote values you disagree with, that yeah. promote democratic ideas and policies and, and politicians. And so uh, I think the best thing we could do about it is just tell everyone, you know, you know, if you buy an insurance, if you buy a United Health insurance plan that's got the AARP name on it, they're skimming 5% off the top of your premium every month forever. And, and like you said, know that. and they're using it for politics instead of what it needs to be used for. 
Yeah, right, exactly. I mean, you know, they, they, they don't say vote for or against because yeah. they're a nonprofit. They're, they're not going to break the law, but, you know, they can praise the wonderful leadership, blah, blah, whatever, yeah. do ads and, and all the rest of it. Well, they can, they can also run ads against somebody by saying this person didn't vote with us. Yeah, they do that, you too. Know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's, that's, that's an ad that's kind of tough for people to go, oh, look, I don't like that guy. He's trying to hurt me. Like I said, because most people, when you're older, are going to be on a fixed income. Here's what I make. And, well, and, and also, people stuff. remember ARP from when it actually was a seniors group 30, 40 years ago, whenever it was, uh, before it became basically a way to monetize seniors for, you know, corporate partners and get a big kickback, which is what it operates as now. But they still have this, they still have brand equity with a lot of people. They see that brand and they think, oh, well, that, that must be what seniors think, even though it's not really true. You look at the polling and uh, most of their policy advocacy is the opposite of what seniors actually think, but uh, they still have a lot of influence. Bill Kirpin, folks, he has been a friend of the program. We appreciate him, President of American Commitment. All right, Fred, real quick, tell people how to get in touch with you if you want to find out a lot more about what's going on with AARP. All our stuff is on our website. Uh, You can either go to the main website, AmericanCommitment.org, and click through from there, or if you want, you can go directly to CommitmentToSeniors.org. That's the project site where we've got all of the research on their financials and the new polling data that uh, we've been talking about. So you can go to AmericanCommitment.org and click on uh, on the top there, or CommitmentToSeniors.org. You get to it either way. Bill, it's always been a pleasure, sir. God bless. Wish you the best of luck. All right. Have a good one. All right. We'll see you. All right. We'll be right back.